Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. With me tonight is Tim Dallet, as well as David Liverier from Paved. Tim has an exhibition at Paved on currently. It just opened last week, but he is there this week as part of a residency. Thank you guys both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So the exhibition itself is called Relationships Between Two or More Spaces, Audience and Performer Modified. And I'm just going to read briefly from their synopsis on the website. The exhibition offers spectators new ways to apprehend and reflect on their interactions with gallery space, the consumption of media, the role of the artist, and the experience of place. I had a chance to come down and interact briefly and talk to you through the exhibition as it was today, Tim. But can we start by you maybe just describing a bit of the exhibition for listeners who may not have seen it yet? Sure, be, be pleased to. And uh, thanks thanks for your interest in, in this project. What is going on basically is a two-part exhibition or art presentation of which the first week is a live performance. And the second part, which I think lasts about two weeks uh, or so, is that right, David? Yeah. Uh, um, is uh, more a documentary, documentation um, exhibition where the gallery space is still used, but it doesn't have a live live performance uh, component. And uh, during the live performance, uh, what I've done is, um, with the assistance of all kinds of people who've really helped a lot with the project, modified the gallery a bit so changed the space uh, physically of the gallery and set up a, a certain kind of installation which appears kind of minimal but is also kind of different from the way the space usually is and at the same time I'm doing a long duration um, performance that is transmitted via video and sound to the audience in the gallery from another part of the building actually the upstairs event space at paved and aka joint uh, event space but i guess being used by paved for this um, this project and so um what what is happening is the there is a performer it's me they are me i am me um but i'm not an actor i'm not a musician i'm not uh, even really uh, um, a performance artist in the sense that i'm not uh, making um gestures physically for the audience. I'm doing activities that people see in real time, but I'm transmitting it via video. Uh, partly that's because I, I realize that my strength isn't in those kind of theater arts, um, music virtuoso performance. I just, I'm not, don't have those skills and that's not where my, my practice as a kind of visual and media artist is, is really located. But also because I'm very interested in the idea of uh, real time and in terms of media and whether something is perceived as live or not. And so a big uh, focus of the exhibition is trying to create a context that visitors who come to the gallery see uh, two video projections and hear amplified sound, but are maybe encouraged or offered the opportunity to question whether it's a recording or is live. And this is something that maybe I'll talk about a bit more later because I, I've explored in a number of different projects. But the great thing about this this chance here at Paved is to take a particular take on that and um, take on a new challenge, which is uh, being in actually a quite a separated space and having to change a bit the kind of strategies I usually use in order to help get that idea of live across. So. Uh, that it, there really is a connection between the audience and the performer that gets established, I hope. And that, that's kind of where the title comes from, because I'm 
I'm interested in in my relationship with the audience. They can't really see me, but they see certain things happening. I can't see them, but we can both hear each other. And um, that's where the kind of somewhat wordy title came from that I just, I just wanted to encapsulate those considerations uh, in in kind of an overall description of the, the show. Yeah, that's interesting when you're talking about that cues that the visitors can pick up on because as opposed to if you were a performance artist in the space, it may not be immediately apparent that you are present or that there's a way of you interacting with the audience in, in being live, as you say. And I wonder what sort of considerations went into the experience for the audience then as they're, they're walking in and that I think you talk about almost as an uncanny moment of you know, realizing that there's someone present or that there's an ability to interact. Yeah, and what what happened uh, in this project is that I, I had to, I think it's actually an opportunity for growth in a way because I was, maybe I could back up a little bit and talk about sure. some other projects that I've done that have, have led to this where I'm often uh, interested in um, the gallery space as a site of presentation but that is also part of an institution that has other spaces. So maybe a basement, an attic, there's some kind of division between the gallery, the vitrine, the showcase, the window, and where, where usually the art is presented, and then the backstage, behind the scenes, the storage, the cellar. And to me, these are, are also part of how the art institutions function, and they're also how the space in these buildings is, is organized. And it's in a way you, if you have a, a white cube gallery, let's say not that Pave necessarily conforms to that, uh, but that the less you have in the gallery, the more you need to have in other parts of your facility. And so that that interests me a lot. The tool rooms, uh, how how art has to be worked on in order to uh, appear for an audience in the conventions that that uh, we're either working in or trying to break and change and modify, but there's still this need for um, you're putting on a show, you're you're creating a visual context and trying to focus experience in certain ways. But to do that, you need tools and you need sort of apparatus that you don't necessarily want to present at the same time as the show. So hence the backstage, the tool room, and so on. And so uh, often when I've done projects, uh, I, I wind up occupying the backstage space or kind of the non-gallery space. But having a presence in the gallery space through video and sound and basically sending information from one space to another. And what what has often happened um, is that uh, in these spaces, I'm adjacent to the gallery. So I might be in the basement under the gallery. So there's the floor and maybe you can hear someone walking above or you can sense something below or there's a wall with an opening and you can see a shadow or there's a window and people are... are, uh, Someone asked a really interesting question at a the talk I gave last Friday, like whether I was shy or not. And I, I mean, I probably am, but it's more because I realized that uh, my strength, whatever it might be, uh, if at all, is not in live performance right in front of the audience. I just can't carry it off in the way some performance artists who are really, really great at doing that. I, I, I'd rather work through the interface of media and then try to delve into some things about, about that. But so what I... Even though I'm transmitting from one space to another, there are often cues or clues because of the way the building is set up that there's, let's say, someone behind the wall. You know, I'm bumping something, you hear a sound through the wall. In the setup at PAVE, because the building's big enough that there's a, an upstairs with a totally separate floor, 
um, and a dedicated facility for live events, the so-called event space. Um, uh, that's a great feature of the, well, it's maybe not such a new building anymore because we're, we're beyond 10 years now, but uh, it um, is, is uh, something that has a very different function than the gallery because it's designed for live events, for music, for um, even video production, or uh, things that are to do with a more kind of media performance dimension. And uh, one, I'm interested in how that's different than the gallery, but how it might be linked to it. And, but because I'm working in that space and trying to, to do a project that involves both parts of the facility, I'm far away from the gallery. So how would people know that a video I was sending to the gallery was actually live? So I was kind of forced to confront the question of, uh, to really think about the clues or cues. And at some point, I realized that Often what happens is that there is, mic, you know, sound is going one way or it's going one way and not the other way. Basically, sound is going both ways because I put microphones in the gallery. And then some people very helpfully pointed out, uh, well, if you have the microphones, originally the microphones were just for the talk so people could ask questions, but then it seemed to make sense to leave them. And once people have the microphones and may want to ask questions, uh, what do I say to them? And uh, because I'm not really a theatrical performance artist, I don't, I can't really carry off a script or play a role. I don't want to be in character. Um, I decided to uh, respond to the questions and interact with people. I can't pretend I'm not there and they're not talking to me, but I, I write to them. Um, and maybe they see me writing to them, so they they read what I have to say. I hear what they say. They can hear me writing, um, and to me that that is the the step that allowed the the live connection to be established between the two spaces. That's interesting. And when you're mentioning those mics, I, my immediate reaction because there's a, a bit of a stage setup behind the mics, and it's an interesting setup because the person on the mic isn't on the stage, but at the same time, there felt like a bit of a performance almost asked of the audience since they're the ones being given the microphones, which I think is interesting. Well, the microphones are kind of an invitation in a way, and I think there's a long history of different contemporary artists using this convention of the microphone as kind of a, a soapbox or a, 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 a prompt for speaking or a symbol of voice or something. Uh, and um, I'm Often, you know, I've seen some quite interesting work like that. Here, it's serving a bit of a symbolic role, but also a very practical one to create this real-time link between another space uh, where I'm working on um, a kind of a, what you might call activity-based performance because it's a routine rather than uh, improvisation or virtuosic gesture. So I'm, I'm carrying out this activity that I'll talk about in a minute, but then I'm changed and I'm modified or I'm influenced by the fact that I'm hearing what's going on in the gallery and that people can potentially communicate with me. Too, I think when you were talking about not being a live performance artist, there's something interesting to me too about the exhibition in how it uses technology or uses like the idea of uh, live interaction to allow someone to perform in a way that doesn't require presence. And I, I guess it just makes me think of the ways that the internet and different chat technologies allow people who may not otherwise be comfortable communicating maybe in person to almost carry on the same conversations because there's a distance. Sure. Well, and, and you know, it's in no sense at all is there anything 
innovative or technologically advanced in this sending. I mean, this is like a tin can with string, basically, is, is, the, is the technological principle that I'm using. But what is, I think, kind of interesting or what I'm trying to explore some frictions around is putting that in the gallery space where it takes the place of a quote-unquote visual art exhibition or you are navigating in a way the cultural expectations of the gallery Mm -hmm. where um, don't touch the art or if there is video it's perhaps a recorded presentation Uh, what is this person doing here why are are they uh, what's going on that's so there's an there is an aspect that I'm interested in in shifting or, or trying to input this approach to media into the gallery frame and it, it would be totally unremarkable if it was media production on its own because you've got a camera in one room a monitor in another what's the big deal here it's because it's framed in the gallery setting where there's um, perhaps a heightened attention to the possible significance or interpretation of objects or information that are presented or foregrounded for the spectator and then they may be in a position to kind of question them or interrogate them or put them in a context of judgment that they're both asked you know implicitly asked to but have the opportunity you know do what do I think of this do I like this do I feel comfortable with this and uh, my goal isn't to make anyone uncomfortable at all but it's to uh, try to kind of expand or open up or explore some alternatives to what a gallery exhibition could be and particularly what media when presented in a gallery could be. It seems to me that there's that there is a, um, a kind of drawing out of the fact that this video presentation is mediated because it is live uh, when the spectator comes into the space and has that realization turns that corner uh, and understands that this is a live situation and live different uh, than say a live presentation of sports on TV as well which is still a one-way conduit that we just consume we might watch the downhill skiing live but it's it doesn't have this uh, interactivity where uh, we are as much live as the uh, in quotes performer or artist is live uh, and I think it, 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 in that regard, it forces this uh, contemplation of video as a means of uh, uh, to mediate, uh, to, to go in between an interaction. That's interesting, though, that idea of the viewer being able to influence the performance, too, and within the gallery context, then being able to influence the exhibition, which yeah. often isn't a space that's been given, especially in media art. Well, and there is there is um, something that I'm just starting to negotiate or figure out or experience as I'm as I'm going through this process, uh, because it it is new. I haven't done anything quite exactly like this, and it's only been a couple of days, and so I'm I'm realizing that there are um, well, it would be very easy to frame this in terms of a question of power or who has the voice or the speaking authority, but what I, the way I'm experiencing it is that the um, I guess the control is going both ways or the vulnerability is going both ways. Uh, Very deliberately, I didn't want to have um, a view of the gallery. I'm not interested in surveillance. I mean, that's some, in spite of the fact that a lot of the video equipment I use, some of it comes from the surveillance industry, but uh, I don't really think of it as as a project about surveillance at all. It's, um, but there is, when you open up listening one space to another, there is a kind of vulnerability because 
you're aware of what the other person might be thinking about you or what they could say to you or about you. And uh, um, I, I guess I, I made this, this choice to share the ambient sound or the noise of you know like picking up this glass or um, rubbing a table. Um, that kind of live presence is shared with the, the, the audience in the gallery. Uh, and um, I, I hear, you know, kind of low fidelity version of the space of the gallery and any voice spoken into the microphone. But I, I've chosen not to speak back, but uh, rather write to them on screen uh, if they ask me a question. Otherwise, I, I do the other writing that I'm doing that maybe we'll get, get to in a bit. But um, there is, um, it's very easy to feel self-conscious about being judged and usually what happens when there is a judgment of taste or someone's you know appreciation or dislike of an exhibition uh, they're gonna think about it maybe they'll write a review or tell their friend or think about it but they don't usually tell the artist right then uh, they're it's usually not part of the setup if you make paintings or sculpture that are uh, static or you're not part of you put them in the gallery I mean you might be there and overhear someone talking about them but you're you're usually um, not getting a a bunch of information about uh, and particularly waiting or thinking what people might be doing and so that's that's kind of where the title comes from a bit is that I'm I'm, I'm curious about this relationship uh, and using this setup to kind of dramatize that or, or kind of um, um, focus some kind of attention or bring that into a kind of relief that's interesting to me because uh, to me that goes back to almost the idea of critique and that we open ourselves up like we open our art up to feedback at certain points and usually once it's in an exhibition you're, you're generally not necessarily wanting as much you know constructive feedback well it's sort of finished it's there and we could move on for the next time but you're you're almost opening yourself up to feedback throughout the whole process of the work assume challenging at times but interesting too sure and, there's, and it's not like people haven't had any real someone saying i hate this that hasn't been, been that's part good. of part of well, actually one but that wasn't that really <laughs> uh, uh but but it's it's less about that but it's it's more about the sense of being aware of the fact that someone is looking at if not you they're looking at say your work or your your activity and in a position to your because the, the listening is live there is the sense of wondering what they're they're doing what they're thinking how, how their body language is translated through sound and uh, kind of what where they're at. Mm. Uh, well, and then you mentioned the other writing that you're doing. Uh, could you tell us a bit about the work that goes on in between or until someone starts interacting with you? Sure, yeah, and that's actually the... Um, it's not a found object exactly, but it's, let's say, found text. And uh, be, when I was in, in, invited to, to come to and essentially come back to Saskatoon many years after having lived here and, and been involved in the organization at a much earlier time, I was, was determined to try to do something that both worked with the facilities of PAVED or responded to them in some way, but also reflected a bit on my own time and my own experience in Saskatoon. And I, I took a kind of oblique tack on that because I had this um, binder or notebook of... Um, essentially transcriptions that I'd made in 2004 uh, when uh, uh, for whatever reason I had uh, situation I was living had access to cable but not to the movie channels so I had the ability to watch the descriptions of the movies but not actually watch the movies 
And I, the more I looked at these, the stranger they seemed, and I decided to write them down. So uh, I wrote down over a thousand um, uh, essentially plot summaries of uh, movies that might be available to be viewed uh, without the titles. And as, as a kind of found text, these are kind of baffling and curious to me, and they, they trigger something. I mean, one is the personal dimension about me experiencing in Saskatoon is something that's not really that maybe relevant for people, but it's it's relevant to me or it acts as a stimulus or as a, a, a kind of nugget of information that I can bring into the project and use as the basis to, to develop some, some content that's that's um, kind of mobilized through the media system that I'm using. Um, and the um, uh, what kind of fascinated me was this fact, and I think this is something that's easily shareable with people or is very, uh, very directly experienced, it could be experienced, is that... Uh, if you, um, let's say it's a sentence long, it's a plot summary, four giant worms with multiple tongues rapidly dig tunnels around people in the middle of nowhere. I mean, if you're a certain age, you'll know right away what movie they're talking about. And uh, if you've never heard of it, it's just kind of absurd. So what's, uh, what's kind of interesting about these little fragments of text is that they act as a a trigger, but it's specific to each person's experience of whether they've seen that movie, they, they've heard of it, they read the Mad Magazine summary, so they have an idea of the plot, and uh, it's it's accessing um, a kind of let's say cognitive dimension around popular culture that's bringing something that's at a very different register from the way I'm working in media. So I'm, uh, which is let's say maybe more in the video art tradition or in a more abstract or non-narrative mode. And so I, I, I recognize that there's you know, lots of other kinds of media out there and it plays a big part in helping people manage information, even communicate or share jokes. Um, it's, it's, there is a cognitive dimension to this beyond the entertainment factor. And uh, I, I'd, li- I'd like to explore that in some way. And I'd like to, to um, you know, in a way it's, it's, taking something from this found text in the way if you take a found object you you benefit as an artist from the material that already was shaped by someone but you also have the responsibility to recontextualize it and um, kind of mobilize it or treat it in a way that brings some kind of original take or is is, uh, accessing something so I I think what I'm trying to do is to access that dimension of if, if you don't have the title which is essentially what I'm doing I'm actually taking something away I'm not giving you the title of the movie I'm just giving you the summary uh, how will you relate to it and so that it acts as a kind of filter or register for the audience's experience so to be a little more concrete what I'm doing is I'm I'm typing out these descriptions from, from my own handwritten notes which are uh, basically impossible to read by anyone else so I'm, I'm retyping them on screen live uh, and transmitting that into the gallery and the idea is that people come into the gallery and instead of seeing a recorded video, they see essentially live typing. And that's kind of the conceit or the excuse for the, the media presentation of the, sh- the show, except what is going on is um, besides just the text appearing, which is a bit laborious because I have to physically do it and I have to put the paper down, I have to put the lettering machine in place. and uh, So I, takes a little while for the phrase to emerge and, and then I'm going to use these later as part of the second part of the exhibition uh, to give people access to them in, a, in another way 
Um, but what I'm also doing is kind of reframing my activity with uh, a system of multiple video cameras, microphones, and uh, video switching that I've been working on for a long time as part of a media performance uh, practice so that essentially the audience gets both this text representation, they get a kind of fragmented, multi-perspectival view of the space or close-ups of the space where I'm working. And so, uh, and then they hear um, the sound of this live in a way that you might have Foley or sound effects in a film of the kind of... Right. Uh, all the space typing. around it and uh, on screen off screen space uh, is, is uh, kind of kind of part of that interesting and we just have a couple minutes left but I do want to touch on when you're talking about this idea of exploring the behind the scenes spaces and those parts of the galleries you know this space here quite intimately because you used to be the artistic director here at PAVED and so I guess I'm wondering, too, what it's like to come into a... Well, first of all, what it's like to be back, I guess I would say. But also what it's like to come back to a space that you know so well and be working in that type of a space. Well, it's actually quite interesting uh, because uh, the time that I was involved uh, with PAVED uh, basically it coincided with the renovation of the building. But the final form of the event space essentially came into being shortly after I left. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, this actually is a very interesting chance for me to to um, see and use the facility that was built up by a lot of great people who continue to work on the project over subsequent years. And so the fact of having this uh, essentially live performance, media, concert hall, screening room, to me, I think is a is a uh, the part of the whole vision of, of PAVED as an organization that unites multiple media but puts it in a contemporary art frame and that having a gallery where you have a kind of critical visual perspective and then you have uh, media production facilities where essentially you have the technology and the apparatus to send out, generate, create, manipulate shape, signal flows. Um, I, I, I'm really enjoying the ability to work between these two spaces and kind of create a bridge between them and almost to talk about how uh, maybe these conventions exist, these disciplines exist, these um, scenes and cultures and different approaches exist, but it is possible to hybridize and bridge them and to think about media and the gallery and a kind of artistic component in uh, a production technology uh, and sort of frame one within the other. And David, maybe we I'll just bring you in really briefly here, but how, how has it been like working again with an artist that is familiar with the space as opposed to an artist who might be coming to Saskatoon sometimes for the first time? Well, I actually had the uh, pleasure to work with Tim once previous to this uh, in, in with regards to his practice um, as the uh, director of art space in Peterborough. At that point in time, I think that was our first uh, time working together, he presented a project that again involved uh, video and sound and a uh, division between himself as the artist and uh, to some degree performer and the audience. Uh, in that case we actually broadcast over community radio. Um, really? And uh, so that was interesting. There was even one point where uh, I remember fire truck stopped to see what was going on because the video was being actually projected onto our front windows uh, which acted as a kind of back projection screen. 
but that was my last show at Artspace, and I never actually saw how it uh, played out. The new director came into the frame right oh. at that point. So, uh, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I think for me, I'm quite intrigued by how doing one of your projects, Tim, in the frame of uh, paved arts with your own, you know, if your entry point, let's say, with your recent experience in, um, uh, sorry, uh, Vertical, uh, which is in... Um, in Laval, in Laval Quebec. Quebec. Uh, if your entry point, like from before the time where you actually start working in the space, is perhaps that they send you floor plans. Um, in our case, these are floor plans that you actually worked on. So that has a, a very uh, different uh, kind of, it must have a different sort of uh, uh, feeling for you. Sure, and I, I guess I was able to kind of think about think about the space and kind of try to do a gesture in the gallery that kind of tried to synthesize or crystallize some things about the the space in the building and uh, how people could experience it. And um, it's sort of shifted a little bit, and maybe it'll go back to the way it was afterwards, and that's probably a good thing. But uh, it's it kind of like a way of of bringing in that history and um, the space as a kind of active element in, in how um, organizations are function and mm-hmm. are shaped. Well, that's interesting. It's, it's nice that you got to work together before, but nice that you can come back as well, like I say, to the space that you helped to start in it and now come and you know, comment on it or work with it a little. It's great. Indeed. Well, thank you both for joining us here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. For listeners, this show will continue on until February 16th, but uh, Tim will only be in the gallery as such or adjacent to the gallery as it was until the end of this week. So this is airing Thursday, so he'll be there the following day, the Friday, and then the exhibition. And Oh, sorry, and the Saturday. Thank you, David. The Friday and Saturday following this airing. And then it will, the installation will change over, So, you, which is also nice. You can go back and, and see what it becomes. Uh, Again, my name is Michael. This has been Unframed Conversations About the Arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon. A reminder, as always, you can find us on social media or Unframed Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to this episode or any of our past episodes again. As a podcast, we podcast on iTunes for Unframed Radio or just go to unframedradio.com. Thank you and have a good day.